Hey y'all, welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories. My name is Amanda, I'm here with Kevin Laporte. Good evening. And tonight we're going to be talking about the Wolf Woman of Davis Avenue. This is a local urban legend in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, this one started up April of 1971, so we're talking about nearly 50 years ago, and I want to kind of set the stage for this one, because it's an example of a lot of people kind of losing their minds all at once and reporting on the same thing, but nobody has any evidence that anything was ever actually seen, there are no photographs, and in 1971, people had cameras. There were Polaroid cameras. People had video cameras. Not everybody, but enough people had had cameras to capture some sort of evidence. And there's none. So we're going to talk about mass hysteria. Dictionary.com defines mass hysteria as a condition affecting a group of persons characterized by excitement or anxiety, irrational behavior or beliefs, are inexplicable symptoms of illness. You heard of this before? Oh, yeah. What's your favorite example of mass hysteria? The Salem Witch Trials. Exactly. One of the best, most classic ones with the most tragic outcome. It really is awful, but just a fascinating case in human behavior. Well, that's why it keeps coming up in literature, in movies. It's why... Things like The Crucible keep getting reinterpreted in different ways while we get movies like The Witch from a few years ago. What an amazing movie. That was a great movie. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. That movie doesn't feel like a period movie where they shot a movie from a different time. It feels like they went back in time and shot a movie. It does. One of the most grim films I've ever seen. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, the, the Witch Trials are a great example of mass hysteria where it gets into the culture, into the society, that women are practicing witchcraft when they disobey social norms, get outside their lane in terms of gender roles, anything like that, basically, that the patriarchy at the time could use to basically have an excuse to hang on, burn them, drown them, whatever death method works. Why y'all want to step on our skirts there, patriarchy? <laughs> Power, control, that's what they do. Mm. That's what they did. Mm -hmm. But obviously some people actually believe that stuff. And it still happens today. It happens in politics. It happens in local communities and large cities all over the place. So let's talk about a few examples. Then we'll talk about the mass hysteria phenomenon that was the Wolf Woman of Davis Avenue in 1971, Mobile, Alabama. I'm going to jump around the timeline and just talk about some mass hysteria that a lot of you probably heard about one way or another. And then we're going to talk about a few details of each just to give you some examples. Then we'll get in on the details of the wolf woman. First, let's look at a real life situation that caused mass hysteria. Remember the DC sniper? Oh God, that was terrifying. Doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was 17 and a half years ago. Wow. October really of not. 2002 was when John Muhammad and Lee Malvo driving around a blue caprice in the Washington, D.C. area 
and just shooting people from inside the trunk of the car. They had set that up just to be a... It was basically a sniper's nest. Yeah. And that's after they had already killed several other people across the country, including two here in Alabama and Montgomery. Wow. And this story took the whole nation by storm. But in the D.C. area, as you can imagine, people were actually dying. This is not a horror story in the classical sense. It's real horror. But it's as real as it gets. A child was shot. He survived miraculously. But almost everybody else they shot in the D.C. area died. Was it most every people were just pumping their gas, right? People pumping gas, people in parking lots. There was a couple outside of Home Depot. The wife got shot. It was everyday situation after everyday situation. And so people resorted to mass hysteria. People started walking around their cars at gas stations in rapid circles while the gas was pumping to try to avoid getting shot. Gas stations put up tarps around the pumps so that people would feel safe. Wow. People were getting their gas at the Naval Air Station there in D.C. because they felt like it being inside a a secure fence that there would be less chance they would get shot. Congressional pages were not allowed to leave their dorms except for work and had to have armed escorts to and from their dorms, even though no congressional page was shot at or hit. The movie Phone Booth, Colin Farrell star, Joel Schumacher directed, no bat nipples in this movie, at least none that I remember. I did see this movie. It involved a guy in a phone booth basically being held hostage, trying to negotiate with a sniper who could see him and threaten to shoot him. They delayed the opening of that movie many months because they felt like the circumstances were too close to what was actually happening with the DC sniper. Mass hysteria, people acting in bizarre ways because of in this case, a really dangerous situation, but one that was very unlikely to affect them. There are millions of people in the D.C. area, and several people died. Well, it's just awful. a practical version of superstition in that case. Yes, and everybody became superstitious in those ways to protect themselves. Makes sense. Real mass hysteria happens when people behave in these ways as a result of something that's not real. Like the Mothman. You know about the Mothman? A little bit. The Mothman myth started in 1966, followed a series of events near Point Pleasant, West Virginia through December of 1967. Started with some grave diggers who observed a winged man fly from the trees while they were digging a grave for a body. They reported a few days later, a couple of couples out on a double date in Point Pleasant Driving along in their car, observed a flying man with 10-foot wings. When the headlights hit his eyes, they glowed red. Lordy. And suddenly, these two incidents are linked. These two observations, with no basis in real reality, no real proof, are suddenly linked. And you have now a trend. The Smoth Man isn't just a scary story. Now we've got two sightings. I almost made that scarier in my head because you said grave diggers, my brain heard grave robbers <laughs> so i wouldn't trust a grave no, robber. they were digging i don't know if they were exhuming or putting somebody down yikes a full year later in december of 67 the silver bridge in point pleasant collapsed during rush hour it was overloaded 
Examinations after the collapse revealed there was a defect in the structure of this 40-year-old bridge that was built in the late 1920s that caused it to fail when too many cars were on it. 46 people died. Now, whose fault was it? The Mothman? It was the Mothman, not an engineer. Did he eat the bridge? Not an engineer during the Great Depression. No, Uh it was the Mothman's fault. He destroyed the bridge. And I know this because Richard Gere was on that bridge in 2002 (laughs) when the Mothman prophecies came out and that bridge collapsed and he escaped and everybody else died because he knew the Mothman was going to make that bridge fall. See, mass hysteria, three totally unrelated events, repeated sightings are just another outgrowth of mass hysteria. But it's when you start attributing perfectly explainable events that mass to, to the superstition, to the unexplained sightings, whatever the case may be, that's when it's mass hysteria. Let's talk about another famous example of mass hysteria. War of the Worlds, 1938, October 30th. Amazing actor and seller of wine in the 1980s, Orson Welles, in his Citizen Kane days. Hey, he was, he was hot. He was a big deal. Huge in the, the Hollywood world back in the 30s, 40s. Now, more of the worlds. That's just a legendary situation. This is H.G. Wells, man. No relation that I know of between Orson and H.G. This was a radio play. Orson Welles reading War of the Worlds. He read it so forcefully, so realistically, apparently, that at least some people thought when they were listening, that he was reporting an invasion instead of reading a fictional story. The radio doesn't lie. The internet doesn't lie. It must be real. It was the internet of the day. I guess so. And because people thought that what was happening was real, that aliens from Mars were really invading New Jersey, New Jersey of all places, seriously, people were leaving their homes, running into the streets. I've heard... Stories that people committed suicide. Oh, my God. Now, a lot of this has been debunked in recent years. And what's really been revealed is that newspapers took this and ran with it to make the new technology of radio feel illegitimate as a news source. They Uh blew this out of proportion to make it clear that radio lied to them. So it's just a matter of business rivalry gone amok and All these decades later, people are just now seeing that it really wasn't as big a deal as it came off. That's not to take away from Orson Welles' performance, and it's insanely fun to listen to. I can't imagine listening to that and thinking it was really happening. No, no. Let's talk about fictional accounts that depict mass hysteria. We're big fans of the Twilight Zone. It's a beautiful thing. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, we're on Sci-Fi USA. We're, We're watching the Twilight Zone. That's tradition tradition there's one episode that i think is one of the most profound there there's a short list of twilight zone episodes that are transcendent above the others you say it's a short list but it's actually quite long for a series but season one is immaculate yeah absolutely it's so perfect and the march 4th 1960 episode the monsters are due on maple street is the one that hits at the core of human behavior Better than almost any of them. It's so, it's so relevant today. Especially today. Especially this, this today. Democrat-Republican divide, this dichotomous insanity that we see in the news every day. It's, it's the monsters are due on Maple Street. There's a power outage on one little street, a little suburban street, middle-income families. An apparent meteor strikes 
light over the street passing over. And then one kid suggests that these things have happened because of aliens. One little brat suggests that these are alien invaders that caused the power outage and the meteor to streak across the sky and that they're posing as humans on the street. They're one of the families in the houses that live on the street of these people that were just congregating outside to say, Hey, is your power off? What happened? And suddenly these people start to get at each other's throats because one kid suggested that some of them are aliens. One guy's car starts when the others won't. And it's after he's walked away. Alien. He's an alien. The whole social structure degrades. The finger pointing starts. If I remember correctly, one guy gets shot. Mm-hmm. It gets crazy, but it's so true to life of people immediately turning on each other for mild differences. Not even the differences in real life that cause people to turn on each other. Race, religion, just go down the list. All these irrational things that people harm each other over. That's the best example of mass hysteria I can think of in film. You're not wrong. And it's the most blood-curdling lesson in mass hysteria. At the end, spoiler alert, if you you haven't seen this movie in the last 70 years, 60 years, I suppose, at this point, that it's been available, there are aliens in the story, and they were going to offer our planet all this great technology, and then they decide, because of what they saw on Maple Street, that humanity's not ready. And they just moved on. We suck, y'all. They were right. They were right. <laughs> they, they were right. And <laughs> never more so than today, unfortunately. A couple more examples. Then we're going to talk about the wolf. Roswell, New Mexico, 1947. A flying disc crashes in a farmer's field. And the world goes insane. Was it Clark Kent? It was not Clark Kent, it was not Alf, it was not my favorite Martian. Alf was an a-hole. <laughs> he just liked to eat cats. No, he was really a dick. Go back and watch Alf. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Alf. Mm-hmm. Well, the government played it off as a weather balloon, and they lied. It was not. There was a level of conspiracy here. It was not a weather balloon that crashed there. What was it? It was a device to measure nuclear test results oh they didn't want people to know that there was potential radioactivity out there and they did a lot of nuclear testing in new mexico back in those days and this was a device similar to a weather balloon but not a weather balloon so they were trying to hide that they were doing nuclear testing but what this turned into because the secrecy because the lies is that the conspiracy theory set took this and ran with it as a ufo and that the government collected alien bodies from the site of this crash in Roswell. Now, this legend, this mass hysteria, has persisted into modern times. The government had to address it in the form of an investigation in the 1990s, which is modern times. Man. That really had to be addressed. They had to reveal that it was this nuclear test device. But there are people to this day... I just think back a few weeks ago, people were going to storm Area 51. <laughs> there are people to this day that still think that Roswell was real, that the government harvested aliens, took them to Area 51, did experiments, made deals with them. I don't know what they think. But that's a level of mass hysteria that has persisted for decades, despite science, despite government unveiling their actual cover-ups. Still um. out there. I don't know that I believe anything the government tells me. <laughs> Especially what they can take from us in taxes. Mm-hmm. 
And then one of the more recent examples of mass hysteria, and this falls very close to our hearts because we create a comic about killer clowns. We create a comic called Vicious Circus about killer clowns that kill child abusers. And in 2016, I believe it was the fall of 2016, if I remember correctly, there was an outbreak of killer clown sightings all over America. They were coming out of fields and kidnapping kids. They were stabbing people at random. People were showing up dressed as killer clowns to try to scare people. Now, if you go to YouTube, there are actual videos of assholes dressing in killer clown outfits and going into areas they should not be in and trying to scare people. And it works. I do want to see one of those. they get chased. Yeah, I want to see one of those where they get what's coming to them because (laughs) I I hate pranks. I'm sorry, guys. And those guys, they suck. Well, in 2016, this was on the news, all three telecasts every day for a few weeks. We were laughing about it. Yeah. Uh, And some of it was real because... These guys get it in their heads that they want to be a part of this. So they dress like clowns and go out and create mischief and hurt people. Some people actually got hurt. I don't think anybody died. Well, there were, there were schools that had to deal with it yes. and go on lockdown because people were making threats as, as killer clowns. And it's like, I'm sorry, y'all. If there's a clown on my lawn, he's going to get hurt. Good old Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. So that was one that, uh, that hits home for us and really lasted quite a while and got into the culture. So let's bring it back to where we live. We live near Mobile, Alabama, about 45 minutes away. I work in Mobile every day. But let's talk about the most recent mass hysteria to hit Mobile. And I may be being generous with the word mass here. Oh, it! hey, it went viral and, and it was joyful. You know, people still laugh about it. People from, unfortunately, I think it's one of the things Mobile's most commonly known for these days is the Crichton Leprechaun. We just want to know where to go that. <laughs> March 14th, 2006, there's a community called Crichton. It's literally around the corner from where my office has been for the last nine years. And somebody kept reporting they were seeing a leprechaun in the trees there. Now, this is not an Irish community. Let me just say that. But the reports were enough that a reporter from one of the local TV stations shows up. And there's a whole crowd amassed around this tree where they say the leprechaun is. So he starts interviewing people. One lady says it might be a crackhead. One of the classic lines. It might be a crackhead got a hold of some bad stuff. Yep. I love the the fellow who said that his uh, his grandfather, his great grandfather, was a leprechaun hunter, and he had a magic flute that it was he passed hundreds him. of years old. He had an actual like pan flute. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, I didn't know there were leprechaun hunters, but you learn things all the time. Not in. You know, lower Alabama. And then the the drawing of the leprechaun, the artist depiction, that was basically three lines and two dots for eyes. It's And it sold a hell of a lot of t-shirts, too. It did. And look, just go to YouTube, look up Crichton, C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N, leprechaun. Do yourself a favor. Watch those videos. Tosh.0 did a feature on it in 2011. Daniel Tosh came to Crichton sat in these people's backyard and talked to them about the Crichton Leprechaun, and it is comedy gold. It's beautiful. Go find that video. Find the original telecast. It's funnier than the Tosh interviews, and just enjoy. But it was, you know, it took over Mobile for weeks after that. In fact, if you mention Crichton Leprechaun around here, people just laugh because it's still funny. They probably start singing that song, too. But um, I felt very happy uh, 
in the last couple of years, I took a trip to Ireland to visit my friends. Hey, Sean. Hey, Christina. Hey, James. Um, and I was able to introduce them to the Creighton Leprechaun, <laughs> which when you see the, the actual Irish folks react to this thing, it, it was pretty, it made my trip. It was pretty legendary. Was it consistent with what they think of as a leprechaun? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, they think it's bullshit. <laughs> It wasn't Warwick Davis and bad makeup. No, 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 no. I love those movies. <laughs> I, I bring up the Crichton Leprechaun just to point out that our city is as prone to mass hysteria and maybe more so as any other city. We revel in it. <laughs> love let's, it. Let's talk about the Wolf Woman. The Wolf Woman took over Mobile headlines in 1971, April of 1971, the week before Easter. I did a little research there. And what happened was that the local newspaper, the Mobile Register at the time, received over 50 calls reporting sightings of a half-woman, half-wolf creature in the plateau area. Was she like a centaur? The picture, and just do a search on Wolf Woman of Mobile on Google, and you'll see the picture. Sort of a centaur, but it has the torso of a woman, but really no arms, at least the artist depiction. Uh, it's pretty much from the sternum up, breast and all, but no arms, and then the quadrupedal body of an actual wolf. She's hmm. kind of doing a hair flip, kind of a... <laughs> spunky hair flip in the, the picture she's kind of pretty with her her chops and everything in the picture well, you know? if you read the descriptions that were given to the paper she was described as pretty hmm. as a pretty woman with a wolf's body <laughs> the quote i love is pretty but hairy, so <laughs> pretty but hairy. she was her suit oh she, <laughs> she was just natural and 25 cent word you like so much <laughs> her suit <laughs> So if there was a wolf woman, what would it even be? Well, think of shape changers in common horror mythology, like werewolves, like vampires that turn into bats. Mm. So werewolves are lycanthropes. There's another 25 cent word for you. Lycanthropes are people that turn into animals because of a curse, because of magic, some sort of ability that they have. Is that what the wolf woman was? Was she, as you mentioned, some creature that was actually half this, half that species, like a centaur or a minotaur? Um, that would be some sort of chimera, this combination, this disjointed, asymmetrical combination of two different creatures. That's sort of what the picture reminds me of. It is. It, that picture, if that's was, it was an uncredited artist depiction. It was a press register or mobile register artist who drew that i wonder if that artist is around i don't think so i uh -huh. think they've tried to find that person but it was you know we're talking 50 years ago yeah so that person will be in their 80s probably at this point didn't they recently find that picture in the archives they did they found the actual picture but it even yeah. said uncredited on the oh on what was put in there that's a bummer it's a classic locally so whoever did it could probably do some signings i'd put that on the wall <laughs> And then you have the Native American idea of skinwalkers. That's terrifying. People who can change into animals. 
It was more of a mystical ability, not a curse, though, in Native American lore. Oh, I'm thinking more the Wendigo. That's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that was based on cannibalism. Yeah. Bad you know, thing. But there is no origin story for the wolf woman. There's nothing there like that. But I think it's important to examine these things in terms of the types of creatures, the types of magic that are out there in the not just the popular culture, but in the magical culture, in the mythological culture. What were they reporting that she was doing? Was she going through their trash or attacking people? Or See, she never attacked anybody. She apparently chased somebody, but uh, nobody knew if it was to ask for directions, if she was hungry, <laughs> if she wanted a kiss because she was so pretty. Hmm. But there were no reports of attacks, but people were scared out of their minds. All these people called to report it. My aunt posted on Facebook when we were having just a general discussion about local myths that she remembered the wolf woman and one of her friends, her mother's friends from down the street, said she saw it outside her window. Was it her cousin's brother's uncle's nephew's former roommate? It was just a friend of her mom. Now, this area is not a great area of town these days. It's sort of crime-ridden. Back then, it was a suburban, lower-middle-class neighborhood. It's a working-class neighborhood. Mobile has a huge state docks, huge railroad industry. Back then, there was there were two giant paper mills within five minutes of that community. What if she came from somewhere else, from a ship in the port? That's possible. I think that's you know it's wide open. What where she could have come from? Maybe she was from the the dark wilds of Africa and seeking new lands to hunt, but she didn't do any hunting. All this lasted for about 10 days, and then nobody talked about it again. <laughs> well, maybe somebody kept her. It's like, I got a pretty wolf woman here. Maybe she found what she was looking for. Maybe. Maybe uh, she transitioned into um, another form. That's possible. Hey, what if she What if she became human, kind of like Ariel the Little Mermaid? Any of those possible. Cool. One really funny, interesting point i got while researching this i was reading the the original article about the wolf woman there's a typo in the headline that that made me laugh is wolf woman sulking around the city not skulking but sulking sulking. poor wolf woman she's sulking she's not feeling great about herself i feel bad for her. everybody said she was pretty she should feel good about herself she shouldn't be sulking she was the talk of the town for 10 whole days that's better than i've ever had (laughs) but apparently there was another monster in mobile some years past, I don't have a time frame, I couldn't find any other information, but in this article about the wolf woman, it refers to the art, the monster of Fisher's Alley. What the is terif- that? It terrified residents of the area, assumed proportions up to the size of a T-Rex. What the heck? And never smaller than a full-grown puma, which is a mountain lion. Uh-huh. The monster turned out to be an otter. A friendly, fun-loving, cute-as-hell Otter. You're kidding me. That was the monster of Fisher's Alley. Mobile. What the hell, y'all? <laughs> so I'm just going to assume that the wolf woman was a terrier. <laughs> Perhaps a, a large, angry chihuahua. You know, I don't think those dogs are cute, but a lot of people do. Uh, <laughs> you don't think any dog is cute. <laughs> so I'm not sure. No, I love Baxter. I love the Anchorman's dog, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I love Baxter. So I do Aww. think Baxter's cute. But just, you know, the fact that an otter had grown to T-Rex proportions just tells you a lot about mass hysteria. I would kill to see a T-Rex-sized otter. <laughs> a lot about how people react to just news and how they want to be a part of it. 
you know, if 50 people called in, were they all at the same church? Were they all at the same school? Were they getting together at the community center and baking this up? You know people want to just stir the pot when there's stuff like that. It happens like that every time. It does. It's fun. How but- else does an otter go to T-Rex size? Because people keep building it up. It's not even like the telephone game. It's more It's a deliberate. fish story. Yes, yes, it's absolutely more deliberate. And it's fun. And some people actually get freaked out by this stuff. There are a lot of people are superstitious. And if they think that there's a wolf woman going through town, well, hell, they're going to be scared. They don't want to go out at night. But the interviews with people, most of whom were teenagers, by the way, if you read the Mm -hmm. article, they were very suspicious about it. They said that they couldn't go out at night to have fun anymore. And, you know, back then, teenagers were, there were a lot of hallucinogens going on (laughs) back in the early 70s. Who knows what they thought they saw versus what they actually saw. The wolf woman was like, Y'all don't be out this late. Stop doing all that stuff. Say no to drugs. Wolf Woman was a narc. Yep. Wolf Woman gonna turn you in. Whatever the case may be, she disappeared second week of April, 1971. Never reported again. Oh. But what has lived on is this art, this drawing. <laughs> it, it shows up back in the newspaper every few years, and since nobody reads newspapers anymore, it shows up on AL.com, which is the, what became of the, the leavings of the newspaper industry here in Alabama. And people can't stop talking about it, but I really think it's the weird depiction of this creature with her big pointy ears and her shapely face with mutton chops and <laughs> hairy breast under what's obviously well-coiffed hair. I mean, she's got... She, yeah, that is the height of 70 She's style. got one of them chi flat irons. She's doing good. And the bangs are doing cut, all right cut really nicely over the eyebrows it's it's just a really nice look <laughs> uh, now not to say that there wasn't something going on on davis avenue in the plateau community back in those days it would be interesting to know what was actually happening yeah and and i will conjecture i'm going to write a story i've got the this, the plot outline we're going to release it on thursday about the wolf woman and i'll take it a lot more seriously than i have in this podcast it's an honest to goodness horror story oh well, I can't wait to read it, and I can't wait to read it for you guys. We have too much fun with this stuff. And she will still be hairy and pretty mm. in the story. And I'm going to use the depiction in this piece of art because that's what matters. That's where this legend lives is in that art, in my opinion. If you don't have that picture, nobody remembers this. Nobody's talking about it still. It's that art, that picture that has kept this alive for 50 years. And so... What's going to be in the story is, is that creature. And I think you like what I've got worked out for. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Have you ever seen any magical creatures? Anything you couldn't explain in terms of cryptids or mass hysteria induced monsters? You ever, you ever been involved in mass hysteria? I think I've been on the outskirts of mass hysteria or, you know, a witness to some mass hysteria. Well, the most common type of mass hysteria I see where we live is around hurricanes. Because the minute a hurricane shows up in the Atlantic Ocean, people start losing their minds, starting with the weather forecasters, the weathermen on the TV stations here. The closer it gets, the more people go to grocery stores and buy perishables, oddly enough, bread (laughs) and milk, the first things to go bad in your house. And all that stuff disappears off the shelves 
And then there's always such a low chance that it's actually going to hit here. We haven't had a major hurricane since 2005, but the mass hysteria hits every time a hurricane shows up. Yeah, you get a little worried here and there. And that's, it's a realistic concern, but just the level of response is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. goodness. I guess that happened to us this week with the the nasty, awful weather we were supposed to have the other day. I, I know I myself had to plan my day around prepping for it on Friday, and nothing really came of it. It was just a stormy day. It nice did. rainy day. A little breezy. It was a nice day. Yeah. I like no that kind deal. of day. Yeah, it was nice. I guess, I guess some mass hysteria type stuff was uh, Halloween candy as a kid, you know? The, the people putting razor blades in the candy. And I know that actually happened in some places. Uh, or at least to one, one one person. I think there was a story about that this year, actually. It happened, in, But it happened in one place at one time. And thankfully, the parent discovered it before anybody bit into it. But yeah, in the 70s, um, I, I was around then. I was a kid then. And I definitely remember that being a huge thing that was talked about constantly. And whether there was any basis for it in reality, I don't know. Man. I, I know I haven't been around any sort of cryptid or anything like that. But uh, I did have an experience with a giant alligator. that <laughs> was kind of terrifying, but um, that's about it. I was a little hysterical after that. You know, the most, the most recent version of monster mass hysteria I can think of where we are is last summer. There was a rash of rabid raccoons no rabid foxes rabid it wasn't foxes. raccoons it was foxes in our area they're still around too. and those things were showing up at community pools at golf courses and attacking people that was real i mean people were getting bitten but the community <laughs> lost their collective minds I, and i was as guilty as anybody i i'm a runner and i get up at five in the morning and run in the dark and I would run in the middle of the street because I didn't want to be near the woods because I didn't want to have to get rabies shots and fight off a rabid fox. And it's on video. The The news would show it on video. People would go after them with a club or a bat or whatever they had on hand, a boot. Now, those foxes were fearless, man. <laughs> they, they didn't care how many times they got hit. They were going to try to eat you. Yeah, they... One of them, like, showed up while somebody's cooking out in their backyard, like, give me a burger, and they're like, no. <laughs> Foxes are not big animals, but these, they were they very were vicious. vicious. They were trying to hurt people because of the rabies, and that really did affect our community. But none of them were wolf women, and maybe the wolf woman was just a rabid fox <laughs> or something of that sort back in the day. But it's a good story. Uh, it's kind of a beloved story locally. If you talk to people who were around back then, a friend of ours, Brent Amaker, he follows the page, follows the podcast, and he mentioned that he remembered it from his youth. It's just one of those things people love to talk about. I think the wolf woman and the Crichton leprechaun need to get together. I think that'd be a nice, good match. You need to draw that. Ooh, I'm going to make some t-shirts, y'all. <laughs> And become the new mascot for the city of Mobile, the Crichton Heck Leprechaun yeah. riding the Wolf Woman. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Down the Azalea Trail. <laughs> Over a rainbow. <laughs> That's good stuff, y'all. <laughs> well, look for the story, The Wolf Woman of Davis Avenue on Thursday. But I think that wraps us up for today. 
Well, thanks for being a little silly with us. This one's this less this is less sinister than some of the other ones that we've handled, but I love that it's local. And let's just talk about a lot of other non-local types of stories. It's more interesting to me to get into sort of the the background meat of these stories, the mass hysteria side, and to talk about the actual mystical origins of of some of these creatures and where the genesis of them comes from. What who had this idea? of the wolf woman or what they saw turned into the wolf woman instead of a werewolf. Cause everybody knows about werewolves, but they don't ever get reported by the wolf woman who looks nothing like a werewolf. No, not even the weird various sorts of werewolves that we've seen in other movies or pop culture, role-playing games or video games. She's something totally different. She does look like something out of the monstrous manual though. You know, you're not, you're not wrong there. The original version of the the Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual. I've got that yeah, on my shelf. It does look like some of that art. Yeah, I doubt I doubt it's the same person, but I can see that. Yeah. I don't want to encounter her in any dungeon crawl <laughs> with an army of kobolds or whatever. <laughs> army of leprechauns. All right, y'all have a good week. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original Southern horror stories, and we also discuss ones that you might already know. We hope you enjoyed this, and if you did, why don't you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash Ain't No Such Thing. Come join our little group and have fun with us. We do a lot of discussions on horror, urban legends. We do polls and games. We hope to see you there. You can also support the podcast on Patreon. We have a reward for every budget starting at $2 a month. That can get you extra content like short stories, movie reviews, and a lot more. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll be back with another one for you real soon.